All righty. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the Modcast. I'm your host, Chris Perry, with your co-host, Tyler Betson. Tyler, what kind of animal do you feel like today? Chris, today I feel like a giant African land snail. A giant African land snail. I'm looking this up right now. Let's see. Yes, well, you know, I get... Oh, no. It's already begun. So, yeah. You've already cut out. Really? Yeah. They're not on my end. We'll be fine. We'll be okay. This is a big boy. Let's just keep rolling. This is a big boy. Am I back yet? Yeah, you're back. Okay, yeah. But um, I got sick this past weekend. I've still been feeling that way, so I kind of feel like a snail today. But I did learn something interesting about snails, right? So apparently snails are very slow, but when they get a burst of energy, it lasts for 30 hours. Whoa. So can you imagine, like, you're just lazy as can be. You can't get anything done, but you get this burst of energy, and it lasts for 30 hours. That would Imagine how much stuff you could get done. That sounds nice. I mean, it also yeah. sounds like an Adderall prescription, but, yeah. you know. Or you can just be a snail, whichever choice. Would you rather have an Adderall prescription, or would you rather be a snail? I'd rather be a snail with an Adderall prescription. That sounds like that movie um, about the snail that races. Okay. I, I was I was hoping you'd say limitless, but same. <laughs> <laughs> They're both the same. Um, I feel like a, I felt like a jackrabbit this morning, man. There's a coincidentally, there's a jackhammer across the street that's been going off since six a.m. this morning. So I've been up. And was super productive and busy and fired up on caffeine and nootropics. But it just kind of hit me. I kind of feel like a sloth. I think I'm kind of riding the wave back down. So I got a decision to make if I continue to caffeinate or if I take a nap. It's probably going to be the former, not the latter. Um, But also, before we get into this, I do want to congratulate your two guys who competed this weekend, Malcolm and Aaron. They both looked incredible. So congratulations on that. So just want to give them some credit. If you want to brag about them really quick, Aaron Rose got a uh, overall and in men's physique and in classic kind of. We got to figure out the controversy behind that. We'll we'll see if they fix that. Um, and then he got first in all his classes. And then Malcolm for his first show ever got uh, first in novice, second in true novice, uh, second in this Kentucky State, and fifth in the Open. So that's a pretty good job for his first show. Yeah, he looked incredible. Um, and he also, I mean, beyond that too, like. To his credit, too, he had a wonderful transformation. I mean, he looks night and day. I, I didn't even believe it. I sent that to him, and I was like, people aren't going to believe this is you, man. Yeah, so good for him. Good for both of them, dude, seriously. Um, but, yeah, so here we are, guys. Yeah. We had a busy weekend. It was fun seeing everybody. We had a lot of listeners come up and say hi, which was very surreal, very crazy. Um, yeah. This is why whenever I go to shows, I always get real anxious and sweaty because people approach me and they're like, hey, I know you. And I'm like, I don't know you. And this makes me feel weird. But thank you. So that was really cool, man. We I had, I think, like 20 to 30 different people approach me and be like, hey, I listen to your podcast. And I was like, oh, that's really cool. Yeah. So, yeah, that was exciting. Um, there was a lot of people that are like really, really good athletes too, like in the upper level, like national level competitors are like, Hey man, I've been listening to that episode. And I'm like, you listen, like, that's pretty cool. Like, <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah, so that, 
that was very surreal for sure. Yeah, it made my day every time. It was really cool. So thank you to everybody who does listen and also was there and talked to us and just supports us in general. We're up to 98 five-star reviews on Spotify. We just checked today, which is pretty cool. So pretty excited to hit 100 pretty soon. Yeah, and but whoever gets the 100th five-star review gets a special prize if they send us the proof. Yes. Send us a screenshot. Yeah. That'd be sick. We'll do that. Um, what are they going to get? I was just going to like surprise them with something. I don't know. We'll see. We'll write them a letter. An iPhone 14. Like, I'm just <laughs> get you a brand new Kia Soul. <laughs> we don't have the funds for that. So please do not expect a vehicle from either of us. Can you imagine um, if we just like randomly gave somebody a Kia Soul and that was just like the strongest write off to start our business. <laughs> just <Yeah. laughs> Kia, day one Kia Soul, nothing else. Yeah, here was the Kia Soul the the one with the hamster commercials. Yeah, yeah, the big hamsters. Yeah, back when I worked at the the supplement shop, my my owner there she drove a Kia Soul, and I always thought it was hilarious for some reason because I'd always imagine her as a hamster whenever she was riding around. <laughs> was it like <laughs> that that weird lime green colored one too? Oh, it was red and it had like the Max Muscle logo on it. What's the Max Muscle logo? I don't remember. Think if you remember it, it just looked like a, a flexing gray man with like flowing yeah. dreads. Yeah, yeah. It was very so, beach, like it was very California beach logo. It was like a typical dude you would see on the beach with like sunglasses and white dreadlocks. I feel like in most cases to have your vehicle wrapped, especially in like the fitness realm, it has to be an ultra lifted truck to like draw attention. Like if I saw that Kia Soul, I'd just be like, oh, that's cute. I wouldn't think like, oh, that's sick. That that Kia Soul, the mid-sized SUV, you know? I've been seeing a lot of smart cars wrapped lately. Yeah, there's a, in my hometown, there's this guy, he's a contractor and it is the funniest thing. I literally fall on the ground laughing whenever I see it. He drives a smart car, he's a contractor and he has a, a roof rack on this smart car and all it has on it is one like you know like the the step ladders like the small mm -hmm. just the small ones it just has one of those posted up on top of it i think it's the funniest thing hey i'd look at it yeah no it draws attention for sure like i would hire him just from the humor factor of that yeah that's hilarious what are we talking about today tyler oh today we are talking about training programs and design Ooh. and how we kind of go about Choosing training for ourselves, choosing trainers for clients, best ways to improve on your physique through your training. So a lot to unravel here today. So I'm going to kind of just start off with uh, telling people what my personal favorite way to train is, um, which I typically do a kind of, if you want to call it a bro split for the lack of other terms, um, I prefer a bro split where I will do, you know, I'll go and just tell my split right now, and we'll go from mm -hmm. there. Uh, Monday, I typically do, uh, what is it, back and biceps. Tuesday, mm -hmm. I do chest and uh, arms. Wednesday, I do quads. Thursday, I have an off day. Friday, I do um, shoulders and arms. And mm -hmm. then Saturday, I do hamstrings and glutes. And I'll throw calves, of course, in there. And then Sunday is my other day off. So mm -hmm. I typically do my split like that best for me because 
my legs are one of my parts that I need to bring up. So I train legs twice a week, of course. Mm-hmm. And then I do very hard days for my other uh, body parts. Gotcha. So for me, of course, I've done a lot of different splits. And we'll get into that too. I've tried more or less every training style out there. But personally, right now, I'm doing what's basically a modified push-pull leg split. So the the hottest topic in bodybuilding is bro split versus versus push-pull leg. So what that means is where Tyler has a day dedicated to each muscle group. So he has like a shoulder arm day, a chest day, a back day, a leg day, where mine, I actually combine muscle groups. So I have a push day, which is going to be a chest, shoulder, tricep day, a pull day, which is back, bicep, and a leg day. Now, the reason mine is modified is because in most cases, you would do push, pull, leg, take a day off, then push, pull, leg again, take a day off. So you do three days on, one day off. I do push, pull, leg, I take a day off, and then I do a push day and a back day with a hamstring movement on that day. So, and then I take a day off. So I do three on, one off, two on, one off. And so the reason I do that is my arms need more frequency. So my first push day is predominantly chest and triceps. Then my next pull day is predominantly lat biased, meaning I'm not doing a lot of bent over rows or deadlifts or anything like that, as I want my erectors and spine to be prepared for the leg day that's following, which is like a full leg day, because predominantly my hamstrings and glutes need the most work and I take a day off. My second push day is modified, meaning it's predominantly shoulders and arms. And then my final pull day uh, is going to have a deadlift and a hamstring movement on it. So I'm getting a little bit of extra hamstring and glute work on that day. And then I take a day off and I repeat. Yeah, that's another good way to do it. You know, I program a lot of that as well for certain clients. Um, I like the the ability to hit the muscle group every three Of stuff around people's you cut out personal for a second. did i i'm, I'm yeah. not cutting out of mine well anyways we'll keep going we'll figure it out okay i think it's only on your end i'm just gonna let you know that okay i think it's on your end so i'm just gonna let you know that okay well we'll keep going then. <laughs> <laughs> so so i think um most important thing though is to make sure that training is centered around your personal body you know, so if there's a certain lagging body part, you need to make sure you're choosing movements that go along with that. So you're bringing it up. And often what I found with people is it's going to be something that they don't like doing. Yes. So, you know, and, and they'll, they'll try to skip this movement. They'll be like, hey, man, I don't like preacher curls. Can I do something else? And I'm like, that's why your biceps suck, man. Like mm-hmm. you're, you're trying to avoid movements that you're you should probably be doing. Yeah. Um, and the most common ones I think I see with this are like deadlifts, squats, um, you know, people won't do uh, barbell rows, they won't do one arm dumbbell rows, they won't do, uh, you know, any type of dumbbell incline press, they'll do more like machine work. Mm-hmm. And I think the issue with this is it's because it's harder. Yep. So they'll try to avoid doing these certain movements. And then they get more lagging body parts, and they'll get stronger in what they're already stronger in. And then they end up very imbalanced physiques yeah you'll especially like with where we're at i can look at somebody on stage and kind of pretty likely guess what exercises they do and don't do right like like we saw for example this this past weekend we saw jagger on stage very evidently that do deadlifts you know what i mean like 
insane glutes, insane hamstrings, insane posterior chain, right? Or like if you look at me, it's pretty obvious that I like squatting and I like rowing because I have a big back and I have big quads, but I don't have good arms because I used to hate training arms and I still hate training arms, right? right. So like the best example, I remember in 2018, like one thing I was really trying to bring up was my back thickness and the three exercises that I hated doing were like any form of like hip hinge, predominantly like a block pull or a rack pull, uh, chest supported rows. And I wasn't good at barbell rows. So I wouldn't do them. And I've made it a point to get good at chest supported rows, hip hinge and rowing over the last four years. And now my back is thicker. There's, it's not a coincidence, right? Yeah. Um, but no, I, I think predominantly most muscle groups should be hit twice a week, depending on your skill level. Um, but in the beginning, if we get somebody who's never stepped foot in the gym, I just want them in the gym three times a week. You know what I mean? I think that's a common mistake that a lot of people make is if you've never stepped foot in a gym, you don't need to be in there four, five, six days a week. We need to have you do. I mean, cause it's also culture shock too. You got to think like, I remember the first time I stepped foot in a gym, it was terrifying. You couldn't, yes. I wanted to be in there as little as I possibly could. Right. So instead of having you go six days a week, let's go Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and you're going to go in. I'm going to give you five exercises and I just, I'm going to give you a lot of sets and a lot of reps so you can start learning the movements. You get accustomed to the environment, you get accustomed to the people, you get accustomed to the equipment, just being used to being around it. And I'm just going to have you do a chest, shoulder, tricep day and a back and bicep day and a full leg day. And you're just going to practice because that's what this is, especially in the beginning. You are trying to master these skills. Every exercise is a skill that you have to learn, right? As far as learning to efficiently do it. And then you have to learn the ability to be strong because strength is ultimately a skill. It's the ability to strain through time, right? So, and then you have to learn what's called a strength skill, which is combining learning the movement and also learning to be strong and being able to do them at the same time. So you, that's a lot of things to try to learn all at once for each exercise. And then you have to do it for numerous exercises for Monday, Wednesday, Friday, right? And that takes time. So I don't need you to do 25 exercises over a week. I need you to do, let's learn 15 exercises for this next couple of months and get really good at them, right? I think people get overzealous and they think they have to be in the gym that often, but you really don't in the beginning. Yeah. So what you, what you said there too, I thought was very important is like starting off with three days a week is pretty good. Cause I don't know if you remember way back whenever you first started training, but I remember whenever I first started training and actually learning how to hit muscle groups, I would be so sore after hitting something oh, that yeah. it would take me like an entire week to recover. So I can't even imagine for some people like, you know, when you're first starting out trying to go back two, three days later and hit something again, because I'm going to be still sore. And then it kind of gets counterproductive. So like I said, like we said, three days a week is good to start if you're just starting training, maybe four days a week. You know, I like doing something like two on, one off, two on, and then two days off as a beginning starting split. I think that always works wonders because it gives two people two consecutive days mm -hmm. to really relax and rest their body before going back into their split. So, you know, we talked about push pull legs. Sometimes what I'll do if I do like a four day split is I'll do like a upper, lower, upper, lower. Mm -hmm. And I found that works really well too. Or, you know, if somebody has 
You cut out again. No, I just stopped talking. Did you really? Yeah. You were like perfectly frozen is what I thought. <laughs> no, like I was very, I was like very impressed. It makes, so, me, it makes me think of uh, the, the real bodybuilding podcast when Nick Walker just, just like, stops. It's <laughs> <laughs> like, we think you're frozen. No, I just, no, he's just, he's literally just observing. It's incredible. I love it. Man, I'm just tricking you these days, man. It's crazy. No, I think, no, I think the way that you transition and this is over time though, right. Is like, I think the way that you set up a split is great too. Like you train three to four days a week. And once you get good at those movements, which takes time, then once progress starts to stall, then we can go, okay, let's do four days a week. Let's do an upper day, a lower day, an upper day, and a lower day. So you might, this is where the law of specificity comes into play, right? Where, okay, now we can start really honing in on what needs to progress because you run the three-day split until the wheels fall off and you say, okay, my quads grow really fast or my back grows really fast. Okay, so we don't have to put as much focus on those, but maybe your chest needs more focus. Okay, so then we can say, you know, you do two upper days and you're going to have like a chest shoulder dominant day. And then you're going to have a, your other upper day, you might just do, you'll do back work, but you might throw a little bit more chest in because you just need a little bit more chest work. Right. Yeah. So you can start, this is where the law, this is where you can get more specific. And that's where Tyler and I are at in our careers in this is we've been doing this long enough where we have to be so specific to, okay, I have to train five days a week because these things need to come up at this point where in the yeah. beginning, a lot of anything is going to work. And then I remember, go ahead. I remember back when I first started training, man, I was doing like six or seven days a week of training, mm -hmm. but I realize now, and I realized pretty quickly, I was not hitting stuff as hard as I could have been during those training sessions. And when I started actually learning how to train properly and engage muscle groups and learn how to do proper range of motion, I no longer could train six or seven days a week. No, I was like, oh man, there's no way. I remember my first time I hit quads correctly. Mm -hmm. I was training with this dude named Wayne at uh, the gym in Murray State. And we were at the wellness center. And I remember this is the first time I really learned what full knee flexion was. Mm. And I was on a leg press. I remember I bottomed out on this leg press and uh, Wayne had to like push it off me because I hit like full failure. I could not even move my legs. Like it literally just bottomed out on me and I was stuck at the bottom. And if he wasn't there, I was screwed. Yeah. And I remember the next days after this man walking around campus to go to class, I would just get constant cramps in my quads and my knees would buckle and I would literally like almost fall to the ground or going down onto one knee and be like, oh, yeah, and it was bad. But that's when I realized, like, there's no reason to be training six or seven days a week. Mm -mm. No, I think, at all. you know, that if you're training hard enough, then you should only be training. In my opinion, I get the best progress off of about four days a week. Yeah, four to five. And, and granted, like I say, like, if I'm doing five days a week, one of those is a shoulder and arm day which isn't going to be as strenuous on my body, right? So I'm the same way. I've trained six, seven days a week. I used to train two or three times a day when I was in, in high school on the track team. Like I was doing too much and it wasn't, it's like this whole idea of taking a sledgehammer to a job where you need a scalpel, right? Where you're just doing too much for the sake of doing too much. Where when I learned how to train with proper intensity, that's when things changed. Like this is truthfully guys, you know, since show, in June, the last month I have basically, or month and a half, I've basically been training three to four days a week to give my body a chance to like rest, right? And I've been able to get really strong in doing that because I'm training like every other day for the most part. 
Um, this past week was the first week where I went back to my traditional split of training three days on, one day off, two days off, on, one day off. And it hit me like a fucking brick. Like even yeah. me doing this for a decade, like that much frequency is still can be difficult to adapt to, right? Yeah. Um, but again, at my, when I'm at my absolute strongest, I train three to four days a week maximum because that's what I need those additional days to recover. But if you're able to train six to seven days a week, I promise you, you are not working as hard as you think you are. Um, that's where it comes down to. It's like what I tell my athletes when someone comes to me and they're like, yeah, man, I'm doing, I've seen workouts sent to me where they're doing 30 or 40 working sets a day or a training session. I'm like, Hey, I'm going to give you these exercises. I want you to do two, two sets per exercise gun to your head. You cannot do a single rep past what I've told you to do. Right. Like if I was to say, okay, Tyler, I'm going to make you do a set of 10 to 12. And for every rep you do after 12, I'll give you $10,000 for each rep. I want you to walk out of the gym empty handed. And then I present that style of training to them. And they only need six or seven sets per workout. And they only need to train four or five days to see results. Because this is how my, from like a psychological standpoint, if you hand me a workout and you tell me I need to do five sets, five working sets, when we say working sets, we mean like, maximal effort. These are the sets you're monitoring progress with, not a warm-up set. If I'm doing five sets, the first two sets, I'm going to go pretty hard, but I know that I have to pace myself to get through the next three sets. Sets three and four, I'm probably going to go my hardest, potentially only four. And the fifth set, I'm going to be so gassed, I'm not going to really give a lot to the fifth set. So you've given me five sets. I've half-assed three of them, potentially four of them. So I'd rather just say do two that really matter versus five that three of those five that don't and just yeah. move on. Cause then you can recover more effectively from only doing two maximal effort sets versus five sets at like 80%, let's say. Yeah. See, I I've kind of done all, all sorts of training styles mm-hmm. and I found the two best that work for me is, uh, I have found volume training works really well. I'll mm-hmm. be honest. Like, I've transitioned into more of a, you know, two top set style training myself at this point, mm-hmm. but volume training I've noticed works very well for myself and a lot of clients. And I actually got a lot of my training style back then from what Justin Compton was doing mm-hmm. and he still preaches this to this day. And it's, you know, the, the basic, you know, four by eight to 10 or four by 12 to 15. And you're really pushing each of those sets though at about 80 to 90% of max intensity and you're pushing those reps. And I have found great growth of that. Mm -hmm. I I think that's a great way to train for a lot of people. I have built some crazy physiques by programming that style for a lot of clients. Um, As I get a more client, more advanced though, I have found that go by going to two top sets to mechanical failure Mm -hmm. is probably in my opinion, the best method to put on size and properly recover. I agree. I think, and granted, I go through, and I don't mean this to sound hypocritical, I'll program for myself, I'll program volume blocks intentionally for a lot of reasons. One, to get my work capacity up, get continue to try to help myself from like a cardiovascular standpoint remain conditioned or as conditioned as I can currently. Um, but I do train a little bit higher volume for my arms because I think they need it. Like I'm not just, I can't just get away with two top sets of curls for my arms to grow. But when I'm talking like meat and potatoes, compound movements, that's where I do predominantly low volume, two top sets, move on and move forward. And I just track those sets. 
So I think volume plays an important role for sure. But I think it's the the extreme that I've seen some of these kids, I say kids, younger guys do, because I did it when I was younger, where they think that more volume means more growth. So then they're in the gym for three, four hours, and they're doing, you know, 50 sets or 60 sets or whatever it may be, and taking three or four minutes of rest in between each set. And I'm like, well, buddy, like Ron Partlow made the best, uh, I don't know, it wouldn't be an analogy, it's just a quote he said, where he's like, the times that I grew the best were the times that I spent more time chewing and less time in the gym. You know what I mean? Like, I see all these younger kids in the gym that I go to come up to me and ask me for advice. And I'm like, well, how many meals are you eating a day? I'm like, oh, I'm eating three or four. Okay. How long are you in the gym? Three or four hours. It's like, okay, let's concise that workout to an hour, beat the shit out of yourself and spend 16 hours of the day eating and you'll grow. Yeah, that's, that's the truth. It's all, it's really about the food you put in around mm-hmm. and the intensity you train with in a shorter period of time. And that's why like, you know, when I have a client start with me, I might start them off with, you know, 16 to 24 sets mm-hmm. and their programming. But as I've had somebody with me longer and I know they know how to train, they've sent me enough videos where I know their training intensity is where it needs to be. I will lower those amount of working sets down. So we might get down, you know, six to 12 working sets for a, a programming day, which which I think is adequate with somebody who actually knows how to train, and has the experience. I'm not going to start somebody off that, you know, just beginning with me and be like, all right, here's your six to 12 working sets, unless I know for sure they can push every single one of those sets to absolute failure. And it's not the case for most people. And some people cannot train that way. I've noticed that. Um, There's even exercises for myself where I'm like, okay, I need a little bit more sets on this and a little bit more volume or I'm not going to grow. Like, example for me with quads, I can't do, you know, four working sets Mm -hmm. and expect to put on size. Mm -hmm. I have to do sometimes eight to 10 working sets for my quads to get them to grow. Because I know damn well that if I sit there and try to do just four, it's not enough. Yeah. No, that's what I'm saying. There there are always caveats to this. So the way that I program my stuff is meat and potato movements, meaning like compound movements, I'm low volume. But when it comes to isolation stuff, like let's say a cuff lateral raise or a dumbbell side raise or curls or anything of that sort, I'm doing higher volume whether that's just doing more sets or just shooting for higher rep ranges than what I usually do. So like, for example, I'm not going to treat my stiff legged deadlift at the same that I would a bicep curl. As far as my programming goes for my stiff legged deadlifts, I'm doing two sets. I'm shooting for a set of eight to 12 and then a set of 15 to 20 afterwards. But then my dumbbell curls, you're going to see I'm doing four to five sets of 15 to 20 because they need more volume, but they're treated differently, right? So that's where you have to look case by case. And then obviously with frequency too, I'm training arms, I'm at least touching my arms with an exercise four times a week, whereas my legs, I'm only touching them twice a week. That makes sense. I've gotten a lot of questions about how to grow arms. Uh, I don't think I have the biggest arms ever. You know, I, I know a lot of people and a lot of clients that do have some really good arms. And I found the best way to grow arms is through volume Mm -hmm. lighter weight with more reps and i'm talking like going upwards towards 20 to 30 reps per set and really pushing volume and feeling that burn is going to get your arms to grow 
I've never found somebody where it's like they're going super heavy in weight where they develop big arms. Um, yeah. I found, you know, use maybe 20 to 30 pounds, maybe more depending on how big you are, you know, 40 pounds for some. But try that and arms will grow very effectively. What I've noticed is a lot of people are just using a lot of other muscles when they're trying to train arms and they don't realize it. You know, they start like they start barbell curling and then they use their back and their shoulders, their hips, and they don't yeah. realize it. Yeah. And their hips and their legs and they don't realize it. Yeah. When in reality they could use, you know, half the weight and it's all bicep the entire time. Yeah. That's, and that's part of why I truthfully don't like training arms is because I've learned that, you know, a 20 pound dumbbell preacher curl is going to take me a lot further than a 80 pound hammer curl, you know? Yeah. And that's part of where my issue came from is like, when I threw shot put and discus through middle school and high school, I was predominantly doing only Olympic lifting and I was doing a ton of grip training as well. Like we dedicated a lot of our day to just grip training. So my forearms are very strong and overpower everything as far as like from a strength standpoint, like I can double overhand like 500 pounds on a deadlift without using straps if I want to, um, without hook grip. It's just how it's just how it is, right? So for me, it's always been difficult to connect with just my biceps because my forearms want to take everything over. So I found for me, I have to use like a 20-pound dumbbell and I have to use straps on top of that to try to take my forearms out of it to just isolate the bicep. And that's where it gets yeah. annoying because I'm like, here I am humbling myself with a 20-pound dumbbell, you know? Yeah. Have you, you know, one thing I've noticed that's always been funny to me is I've noticed that people with big arms never have a big back. Mm -hmm. And people with a big back always struggle to grow arms. It's me. And it's kind of funny because I'm a very similar way. Like, I think my back is one of my stronger parts of my body. And because of that, arms for me, like, I really have to focus on. And then I have friends, you know, who have gigantic arms, like some of the biggest arms I've ever seen. But then they can still fit into a large shirt yeah. because they have a back. Yeah. And it's like, but you see them train. And what they're doing is when they're training their back, they're using only their arms. Yeah. And then for people like us, we're not using our arms really at all when we're training back. We're only using our back mm -hmm. and we don't really use our arms as much to pull. Yeah. So like, I don't, yeah. No, I could do like underhand barbell rows and I don't think I'd get a bicep pump. Like I'm almost too good at not engaging my biceps at this point. You yeah. know, I think it's just like it's a, an effect of range of motion. Like you ever seen somebody do T-bar rows and, you know, they load up five plates on a T-bar row, but they're sitting there and, you know, they're they're not fully extending all the way down. And they're just kind of like in a way they're curling it. Yeah, um, I see a lot of that. And then the size of their back always kind of correlates with that form on T-bar rows. Yeah. But truthfully, with where I'm at in my in my career, I'd rather much have a big back and small arms than big arms and a small back. You know what I mean? Like, but that's obviously like in my division, I can somewhat get away with it, but it's still something I'm actively trying to improve, but I'd rather have the pursuit of just improving my biceps and triceps than trying to improve my entire back. You know what I mean? I feel like it's a little bit more specific based, but I mean, that's predominantly where having either a good coach or a good frame of mind as far as being able to assess your weak points comes into play. Like you have to be able to be like, okay, my hamstrings suck. How am I going to actively pursue improving them, right? You can't, again, like we always say, this sport is a lot about self-awareness. If you can't look at yourself and say X, Y, and Z needs to improve and then reverse engineer a plan as to how you're going to improve it, you're never going to be competitive in the sport. We all have muscle groups we have to 
fix. Like there's no, we're all chasing a perfect physique that doesn't exist. So how are you going to get there? That's the truth. I remember uh, Jordan Adams, whenever he did his first show with me, he, he placed, I think, first in his class and second another in classic. And I remember telling him, I was like, your quads suck. They're small. And you know what he did? He really invested into his quad training and he went hard. And then I remember this next show he did. I mean, his quads were probably the strongest part of his body. I would say so. Cause it, and Jordan's how tall is Jordan? I think he's six, three. Yeah. And he just squatted safety squat bar squatted 600 fucking pounds. Yeah, exactly. You know, but that's, you know, why his legs are getting so big and that's what's what you got to do. You got to look at what your body part is, your weakest body part, and you got to train that body part harder. You got to find the, you got to find the things you connect to and get stronger at them. You got to change the movements. You can't do what you like to do. No, that's why I would tell people, you know, for me, I do not like squats that much. They kind of fucking hurt. I'll be honest, but I have definitely improved on my squats. I have made sure that my form is perfect where it needs to be. And because of that, they've gotten stronger and I've seen so much lower body growth growth because of that. Yeah. You know, and, and it's a, a movement that I used to suck at. Mm-hmm. And it used to hurt my knees. And it, I used to say that my hips hurt and I, I shouldn't be doing squats. It's like, no, no, no. Those were excuses. Yep. And now that I've properly done them and really built the lower body because of them, I actually enjoy doing them. Yeah. I mean, the prime example for me is like my hamstring glute adductor development from the back is not that great. Um and so the two things that I swapped, I widened my squat stance out because I used to hate squatting wider and I'm doing stiff like a deadlifts dead stop from the floor, which was a movement that I despised because it used to hurt my hip and I'm getting stronger at both of those. And lo and behold, the gap from behind is starting to disappear. The same with like benching. I used to hate flat barbell bench press and I'm getting pretty good at it now. And lo and behold, my triceps are growing and that's what I need. Right. So you have to be able to say, okay, this is what isn't good on my physique. These are the movements that I don't like that are potentially pertinent to that. And I guarantee those are the ones that you need to start doing and master and get really strong at over time. If you connect well with them, that's the biggest thing, right? Like for me to grow my chest, I had to just start doing more fly work. Because I can dumbbell press until I'm blue in the face, but I didn't great, get a great connection to my chest from it. So I pulled those out and did a little bit more fly work, right? So there's a balance to it. You know, obviously, if you're, if you're picking four exercises for a muscle group, and this is why I think it's important to train them every, th- you know, twice a week potentially, you know, you have two workouts for chest, let's say. You have eight exercises. I would pick two you like. Hopefully those are ones you connect with and two you don't like and learn to connect with them and do that for both days. And you should get stronger and you should grow over time. You know, I do think frequency becomes an important thing when you're trying to improve a lagging body part, Mm -hmm. you know? So like I train, like we said, I train legs twice a week. Mm -hmm. Somebody like you may not need to train, you know, legs twice a week as much as you need to do something like, uh, focus more on hamstrings, some more posterior chain. Yep. You know, you may not need as much quads. Yeah. So I do one and a half leg days is what I call it. I have one direct leg day. And then on my secondary back day, I do a deadlift variation. I do stiff legged deadlifts from the floor and I'll do one hamstring isolation with it. So I'm hitting my quads once a week, but I'm hitting my hamstrings twice a week. So I'm doing one and a half leg days is how I program it for myself because my upper body needs more maturity 
my hamstrings and glutes need more maturity. So I need to put less focus on quads and more focus on literally everything else. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a lot of people need to go ahead and see what they need to improve on. And that that's one thing you can have a coach for too, man. Like I'm very honest with people. If they, even if I don't coach them, if they send me their pictures and they're like, Hey man, what do I need to improve on? I'm going to be like, you need to do this. And this is what I would recommend for it. Yeah. And I have a lot of clients, you know, that I, I have them write their own training or I give them a little bit more on their training and I only do their nutrition, but I'm still telling them like, Hey, you need to go ahead and do more of this movement. Like whenever you wrote your own training, I, you know, I still gave you my feedback. Yeah. And, and that, that goes a long way. Having somebody tell you like, Hey, dude, you need to still do these movements or you're going to be lagging in that area still will make your progress so much better. Yeah. Truthfully, from my perspective as a coach, I don't like just doing nutrition anymore. I like being able to do both. Like I very rarely take somebody on and, and say, you can handle your training. Cause I think obviously it's the two most important things are nutrition and training. I don't, I want to have full ownership of both of those things at all times. Um, but you're right. Like you have to be able to be self-aware or have a coach that's honest with you. You know, like I've got guys on my team where I'm like, Hey buddy, your adductors suck. Guess what? You get an adductor finisher at the end of every leg day for the next three months. And we're going to see if it works. Right. Or, Hey, your arms suck. Guess what? Here's what else you're doing this week. Right. I don't say suck, but I mean it in a loving way, but nonetheless. I yeah, I do. I, I tell people that they suck all yeah. the time. It yeah. works, man. But you got to choose the client. Like, for example, I remember Jordan the other day was like, you know, I told I tell him for, that his legs suck. But if I try to tell like somebody else that's got a little bit more sensitive that they suck, they're probably not going to go in there. But I'm going to be like, hey, you know, we need to go ahead and bring up this part. Yeah. But yeah, there, there's sometimes telling somebody that some, a body part sucks is the motivation they need to bring that up. And again, we, we say this all the time. Think back to your youth when you played sports and the most impactful coach you had, I doubt was the nicest, right? Like I'm not going to go out of my way to be a dick, but I'm also going to tell you how it is because my job is to push you into a place that you haven't been able to push yourself. So I'm going to look at you and say, Hey, this is what sucks because you can't tell yourself it's what sucks and you're going to fix it because that's how I operate. Well, right. I sit here and think about how shitty my hamstrings are all day before my leg workout. And that's why I think about during my sets and guess what? They get better because I operate on self-deprecation, right? So we try to present it, this deprecation in a more loving manner, but it's still there. Yeah. But in conclusion, I would say as far as your training programming, make sure you are focusing on something that works for you. There are a thousand different ways to do this. And I will tell you, experiment with them, you know, uh, get with a coach and see what they say, get what their recommendation is. But if you have somebody tell you that there's only one way to do something, it's a red flag, Ryan. You know, I, I've, I've tried so many different styles of training, and I will tell you that every single one of them has given me results in one way or another. I just now have my preferences. Yeah, yeah. I think we, I think one mistake we run into, especially in this industry, is that you have to be married to particular exercises. We're all built differently, right? So you need to find what works best for you. And guess what? That's what's best for you. So you should be doing it. I've tried every training style out there that I've been able to find over the last decade. I will say the one variable that's remained constant for me to see progress is just effort. Like, like we said, I've got people who operate well with high volume because it makes them try. 
I've got people who operate well with low volume because it makes them try. As long as you are trying your damnedest, you will progress. You just have to find that style and those exercises that allow you to do that. But on the flip end, you also have to have a coach that might push you a little bit further out of your comfort zone because if you allow your, your complacency kills, right? At the end of the day, if you decide to stay in this controlled little box of complacency, you will only progress to the size of the box where you need a coach to help expand those boundaries more and more as you continue to develop and grow. So Tyler, what tidbits of wisdom do you have today? And then we'll close. If you are bald, then on your license in Kentucky, it won't say anything. But in Indiana, it says (laughs) B-A-L. Thank you for whoever asked that anonymous question today. I do appreciate it. Um, Yeah, so we learned something today. Um, And you could also pick whatever height you want to be on your driver's license. So be as tall as you want. So on that note, guys, we love and appreciate all of you. Thank you to all of you who have participated in our Q&As as we will do those in the future. Those who have left a five-star review on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, we really do appreciate it. Please continue to leave those. Whoever sends us proof of hitting the hundredth five-star review, you will receive a present from us. We'll talk about what those presents may be. Um, like we said, leave a review, refer us, let your friends know, let your family know. Um, Anything else, Tyler? Yeah, that's it for me today. That's it from Tyler today. (laughs) So until next time, thank you for listening to the Modcast.